0: Arizona Arizona Sports, sports. the The local local sports leader, leader. Burns and Gambo, the 4 O'Clock Reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort, AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 O'Clock Reset. We start today's 4 O'Clock Reset here at the halfway point of the Burns and Gambo show with NBA action coming up tonight for the Suns. Another chapter in the Laker-Phoenix Suns storied rivalry happens tonight. Not exactly playoff level intensity from a couple of years ago but both teams have an awful lot on the line. The Lakers are fighting for their very playoff lives with every single game. Right now they're currently on the outside looking in, barely, of the play-in spot. While the Suns struggling without KD as of late. They've lost four of their last five. They won't have KD, they won't have D8 tonight, but they are holding on to the fourth seed in the Western Conference and have continued to hold on to the fourth seed in the West. Yeah,
1: desperate to, desperate for the Lakers. They're in 11th place. They're half game back of the Jazz at number 10 and Minnesota at number nine. They're a full game back of number eight, Dallas, and number seven, Oklahoma City. So a big game for them. The Suns obviously not playing very well. They're very vulnerable at this point. They're without two of their starters. So this could be a very interesting game, but definitely
0: a must win for the Lakers. Yeah, no doubt about it for the Suns maintaining their margin of error over the Clippers. And in that regard, some big news from the NBA today about the L.A. Clippers. Paul George sprained his right knee with about four and a half minutes to go in last Night's Clippers lost to Oklahoma City. He's gonna be reevaluated in two to three weeks. By the sounds of it, Paul George is gonna be out for the rest of the regular season. The question is, will he be available for the postseason? Yeah,
1: regular season ends April 9th, playing tournament would start a couple of days later. Um, you know, he you know hit that right knee. Him and Lou Dort were battling for a rebound, about four and a half minutes left in the game last night. Buckled, bent backwards, was on the court for several minutes. So without question, he's going to be out for likely the remainder of the season and it is the big question, will he be back for the playoffs? That is three
0: weeks later. So that's about the time he gets evaluated. Currently for the Suns, in the loss column, they have a two-game lead over the L.A. Clippers for the fourth spot and home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. Pelicans forward Zion Williamson has returned to on-court activities but will still be reevaluated in two weeks from a right hamstring strain that has kept him out since January 2nd. The Pelicans right now are a half game behind the Utah Jazz... For the tenth and final spot in the play in tournament.
1: Yeah. So he's clear to return to on court activities, reevaluate him in two weeks so he can start to get his conditioning back and see if, if they can somehow make the
0: play in tournament, he might be able to be a part of it. After missing nearly four months with a grade three calf strain, Minnesota Timberwolves forward Carl Anthony Towns plans to return for tonight's game against the Atlanta Hawks, according to ESPN.
1: Yeah, he was upgraded from out to questionable for the game. He uh, he injured his calf November twenty 28- eight. 8th. So
0: could take the floor. Missed 52 games because of the injury. Could take the floor tonight. According to Chris Haynes, Dallas Mavericks star Luka Doncic will return as the Mavs take on Golden State tonight. He had been out with a thigh injury, but the injury report taketh and it giveth right back. Because Kyrie Irving, he is out again after aggravating a foot injury in Monday's loss to the Grizzlies. Can't get both of those guys on on the court. So Luka's missed five straight
1: games. So that's going to be a big lift for him. But no Kyrie, of course. And so we'll see how it goes. And they're battling as well for playoff positioning, trying to see how far they can
0: climb up the ladder. And then finally, uh, John Morant expected to return for the Grizzlies tonight as they take on the Rockets. It is expected he will come off the bench in his first game in a while. Yeah, he's
1: never come off the bench before. He's got like 255, I think it is, starts under his belt. But he's never come off the bench.
0: But there's expected to be a limits restriction on him tonight. Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins updates. And this is from NFL Network's Mike Garofolo This is
2: more about the right fit for him from a production standpoint, also from a winning standpoint. We know he's getting to the latter part of his career. Winning is a priority for DeAndre Hopkins. And the timing of a potential trade? Nothing is imminent from what I've been told. I know Ian says things are ramping up, but this is maybe something we're watching as we get closer to the draft.
0: So not necessarily money and where he's going to get paid, but where is he going to have a chance to win? That was basically the takeaway from Garofolo. That is fascinating because there are teams
1: out there that are not a good fit. That's, That's teams that don't have a quarterback yet. Like everybody says, Aaron Line is a good fit, but they don't have a quarterback. But Kansas City they would be a great fit because you go get to play
0: with a great quarterback. So fit to me means quarterback. Yeah. In a potentially related story, when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins and where he might end, the Jets today traded wide receiver Elijah Moore to the Cleveland Browns. The Jets gave up a third rounder in Elijah Moore for a second rounder from Cleveland. This does thing, and almost at exactly the same time, they finalized a free agent contract with his replacement former Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver McCole Hardman. You would think that takes the Browns out of any DeAndre Hopkins because they gave up a second round pick to get him. You would assume this moves Kansas City near the top of the list because they could use a wide receiver.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think for the Jets, I think they're getting an asset to try to help them maybe with the Rodgers deal as well. Indeed. Right now, we've got a better asset available to us if we want to go get Aaron Rodgers. So I think from the Jets' perspective, you know, you know, getting a second rounder instead of
0: a third just makes for a better package for them to, to put forth an offer for Aaron Rodgers. Well, I lost a little news around the NFL. Maybe the one that's the most recognizable name is that former Cardinal defensive lineman Michael Dogby, heading to the Jaguars, signed a one-year deal. That, according to George. Jordan Schultz.
1: Yeah, he was, just, he was an okay player for the Cardinals. I mean, he did a decent job for them. He's still pretty pretty, pretty young, but the Jaguars get him on a, on a one-year deal, which is what you see in a lot of these
0: days, is these one-year deals. And Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson had arthroscopic surgery on his right knee after this fault this past season. A procedure to fix an issue that had nagged him for the last few seasons. We'll see if that impacts his play at all. Starting point guard Kirk Kreese will enter the transfer portal after playing his third year with the Arizona Wildcats. Led the Pac-12 with 5.1 assists per game to go with nearly 10 points and 37% shooting from both the field and from three. Yeah,
1: he he's the most loved and hated player at the same time for the U of A because there are games you love him and there are games you hate him and so I think that they've got to move on. They've got that 17-year-old kid who's probably going to be their point guard going forward. Uh Crease still, you know, still has eligibility left, so he might be able to go somewhere and maybe he goes and plays with Sean Miller. And
0: Xavier? Maybe yeah, he goes maybe. to Xavier and plays for Sean Miller. Yeah. I'm going to predict that he goes to play for Sean Miller. For what it's worth, I'm on a text thread with a bunch of guys. Half of them are ASU fans. Half of them are U of A oh, fans. Oh, my goodness. There was no disappointment at all that Kirk Crease was leaving.
1: Among uh, the as U, a of a U of A fans, fan, I'm not no sure so to see him go
0: either. He's more missed than he is hit, if that makes sense. Yeah. He uh, put on his social media accounts, Tucson with a heart, keeping it short and sweet. Thank you for unforgettable three years that I had here. So thankful and grateful for all the moments I shared with my teammates. Bear down always. We'll see where he ends up. They're
1: also losing um, Henderson, Cedric Henderson.
0: And Courtney Ramey. So that's three guards that U of A will be losing off of this year's team. This happened while we were on the air yesterday. Worth noting in case somebody missed it. ASU men's basketball coach and head coach Bobby Hurley have agreed on a two-year contract Yeah, Bobby wanted
1: to stay. This is what I was told. He really didn't want to go anywhere. He did. There were calls and inquiries about Bobby Hurley, but his goal was to stay at Arizona State. He wants to do something that is special here. Something that either hasn't been done or hasn't been done in a long time. Like, as an example, maybe get a team to a
0: Sweet 16. Baseball down shifts to normal after the World Baseball Classic. It was the perfect ending, other than the team that won last night. Three and two, two outs, top nine. U.S. down a run. Otani set, Trout ready. The 3-2 pitch, Trout swings and misses, and Japan wins the 2023 WPC. Yeah, that's Mike Farron. That is Mike that's Farron. Mike Farron. Was, I know that voice. He was calling it for serious. Was he I calling know that, it for serious, Yeah, it was, it was. It was. It's our yeah, good that's friend, a familiar Mike voice. Okay. Japan beat the US 3-2 last night. Shohei Otani hitting and coming out of the bullpen, striking out his teammate Mike Trout on an 87 mile per hour slider that started middle and just. The cat sat on the slid right to the outside, and Mike Trout had no choice but to Yeah, you out. know what?
1: I was reading the Japan Times, the independent
0: voice in Asia this morning. It was... Uh, really? Where are you now? Yeah, I was. Yeah, the Japan you Times. Bar- you barely have a grasp of one language, and you're going to take a chance with a second? The, jo- the Japan Times. Uh-huh. Oh, look at that. Uh, oh, okay. There it is. The Japan Times oh, right it's, there. It's conveniently translated for you. Yeah, that it was conveniently translated, so I could, I could read all about I it. I shouldn't it, say that, actually. You do know a second language. It's I do. Italian. Yeah, you See. barely know English. Italian. See, Italiano. Got, yeah, exactly. English?
2: So technically, he barely knows a second it language. For, yeah, He barely knows a second language.
0: That second language would be English. non vero, non Mm-hmm. The Coyotes' four-game winning streak ended last night after a loss to the Jets. Back in action tonight, taking on Connor McDavid and the Oilers. Puck drops at 7.30. They actually lost the game, huh? On the road, so yeah. it was... If and it, still a one-goal game. If, I mean, it, pl- played, well, it played well. If it were at Mullet Arena, uh, maybe Clayton Keller, another point last night, he... He has been on he's had. He's been great. He's, he's had a hell of a year. A hell of a year. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, which team wants it more? Which team needs it more? And how do those factors play into Suns-Lakers tonight? We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo show.
2: Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader.
0: Burns and Gambo hanging out with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Suns basketball back at it tonight after the, um, I don't know how else to say it, it left a bad taste in everybody's mouth on Sunday, what happened against Oklahoma City. There was was a lot of consternation among the fans after taking a 10-point lead with about 10.5 minutes to go and just absolutely, completely, totally blowing that game against Oklahoma City and yet not really having to pay any kind of price for it. And by that I mean, and I'll probably do this during the next break or something, I, I could look at the standings from the day after Kevin Durant hurt his ankle, and I don't think the Suns have lost or gained any ground at all in the Western Conference. They have a two-game lead in the loss column for fourth right now. That They they continue okay. to not be punished for how they're playing since losing Kevin Durant. They got the Lakers tonight. Yeah, and more importantly, I think that even that is just, I don't think that there's been
1: anything that's happened, positive or negative, that has really changed anybody's feelings about the Phoenix Suns day. This year, we all know what what the reality is. It's that can't judge this team right now. They they have one of the best players in the history of the planet that's out. And if he comes back healthy, they're a contender. And if he doesn't, they're not. I mean, it's it's I mean, there's no gray area here, right? It's black and it's white with Kevin Durant. They can win a championship without him. They can't. There is no gray area like, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? No, it's very easy. Okay, it's open ended. Yes, they can win. No, they can't win. So everything that's happening in this stretch right now, now, doesn't affect in any way what we think of the Phoenix Suns'
0: chances of, of going deep into the playoffs. No, it doesn't. It, it, and I think I, I, we all knew that. You knew that. I knew that. I think most Suns fans knew that. That, that it wasn't really going to impact anything other than seating and standings. And, and I guess that's what I'm, I continue to find remarkable about this stretch is that they're clearly not playing their best, best basketball. They're clearly on many nights bringing a knife to a gunfight. They clearly have a tough road ahead with the schedule. It's tough. Lakers tonight, Kings Friday, Sixers on Saturday. Don't know when Ayton's coming back. Who knows when Kevin Durant is walking through that door. But I think you're right. We all all knew that if this team is whole and has Kevin Durant back... Guys, the limit they could win a championship I think we were worried they were going to pay for it in the standings and that bill just has not come yeah that bi- like we're still we're still waiting on the bill right the 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 Kevin Durant's out you're gonna pay for it kind of thing it really hasn't happened yet there
1: wasn't it was the fear was the play in, and that was the only fear. And you brought that up several times, and that that was the fears. You don't want to put yourself in a one game scenario where you know one of your guys gets goes down or somebody else goes off, and you know you lose the game. You're playing the Mavs in a one game, you know, and and Luca goes for 57. Like you just don't want to put yourself in that situation. I don't. I think when Durant went down, it was three or four games out of two or three, and so it did it, you thought maybe Memphis would slide, but Memphis has actually played really well and won like six out of seven, so the reality is that they were going to finish somewhere around four or five or six, and they're probably going to finish fourth, and who finishes fifth, I don't know. It might be Golden State. It might be the Clippers, so for everything we've talked about, they're probably going to end up with a tougher first-round matchup, and whether Paul George comes back or not, I don't know, um, it, you know so I, I think right now you might even favor the Clippers over the Warriors just based on that, just based on the fact that, hey, Paul George is out, and he's going to miss a few games, so, you know, a few weeks. That might be good for you if you get them
0: now. Yeah, no, and and I, you made me think of it, so I went, and, I went and looked it up, because you're right. It was not just about are you going to lose in the standings, but are you going to gain in the standings, right? Like how close were you to catching Sacramento? How close were you to catching Memphis on the day of the injury, March 8th, 2023. So that morning when Kevin Durant was going to make his home debut against Oklahoma city, the Suns at that time were 37 and 29. They had a three game lead in the loss column over golden state for fifth. They trailed, Sacramento Five? by three games in the oh, loss column. Three. They trailed Memphis by three games in the loss column. Okay. So where they've. You, you, I'm so glad you brought this up. Where they've lost is not. That they've fallen back to the pack, or that the pack has caught them for fourth, where they, didn't they lost, move up. they didn't move up, they didn't move up, they couldn't, they they can't, they couldn't get to three. So you saying they were at, they were three games back in the lost column? They okay. were three games back of the Sacramento Kings the morning of the injury. Sacramento had twenty six losses. The Suns had twenty nine. Memphis had twenty six losses. The Suns had twenty nine. They were three games back in the lost column of second and third when that injury okay. happened. Okay, that's what got them. The the teams behind them, despite all of the great players that are on those teams, haven't done nearly enough to catch the Suns. It just deprived the Suns of their ability to go catch another team. Now, if we're talking about who needs tonight's game more, obviously, it's the L.A. Lakers. They're in a very desperate spot right now. They are outside looking in of the playoff race going into tonight's game, albeit by only a half game. But they still have some work to do if they want to get in. You know
1: we had uh, we had George Shadano on the show earlier from ESPN seven ten uh, in LA. And he's a NBA sidelines guy, an LA guy. And you know, he said LeBron sees the West is very weakened and that's why if he can get back in time, I mean the let's see the Lakers are only thinking, give us give give us a chance. Let's just get in and give us a chance. If they can get into the play in tournament, they they might have a shot because the West is so weak. You just look at that roster and it's just not very good. I mean that's why like you look at the who's gonna be on this Laker roster down the road. Now they added Vanderbilt and they added D'Angelo Russell and they added Beasley, Reeves has played well for them, Gabriel sometimes off the bench. They're just not a very good basketball team overall. You know, they really need Anthony Davis to play out of his mind, but and they need to get LeBron back if they would have any chance. I don't even know that the, I don't think that they could win a 7-game series against any of the top 6 teams in the West. I don't think that they can. Even with LeBron. Even with LeBron? I don't think that that team can win. I think that they could get into the play-in tournament and maybe do some damage because LeBron in a game... LeBron in two games, but I, I mean, who? Knows? LeBron doesn't seem like he's right, and Anthony Davis is always hurt. And
0: that supporting cast that they have is not good. They, they changed the supporting cast so much. That's the that's the crazy thing about their team and about where they are right now is that is that they they just they did a massive flip right of everybody uh, with Rui Hachimura bringing him in, D'Angelo Russell. I, I think the, if they're going to get into the postseason, I think the key is just going to be is going to be Anthony Davis's health. I, I think LeBron. Is one of those guys, like Kevin Durant, that if he's on the floor, I don't worry about him at all. He'll be fine. If he's out there, he's going to give you everything he's got, and it's going to be as good as it can be. Anthony Davis, is. it's so hard to trust him. It's, and I know he hates it when people say that about him, and he hates it when the national talking heads say that about him. But it's the truth. It's it's hard to trust him. It's hard to believe in him, and it's hard to think that he'll be able to stay healthy at all for that team. Do you worry about?
1: Forget about. Do you worry about his impact on tonight's game? With no no yeah.
0: Oh, very much so. Without DeAndre Ayton, oh, very much so. Yeah, because I'm worried about the Suns getting destroyed on the boards tonight, or just destroyed on the on the boards. So I, I worry about that. Yes, very much. And I worry about who's going to help Devin Booker, you know, and, and I, I know that's tough sledding right now with the cast and crew they've got. I mean, this this to me tonight is, and you said this earlier, is very much a Chris Paul game. This is a Chris Paul game. Hey, Chris, I, I know you can't reach into that bag of tricks every single night and produce that classic kind of 22-point game every single night. I mean, what was that crazy stat we had ever after Oklahoma City? It's like 19 straight games he's working on, 20 straight games without he's twenty on, Without 20. points Without 20 points. Yeah, okay. And I think a really good night to end that streak. Look at that
1: when his last one was. But yeah, I mean, he's the one guy that's capable of doing it. Like he's done it before. He could do it again. I don't know that I could say any of the other guys, I I would feel comfortable that that any of the guys could do that. So he, the last time he scored 20 was, it was uh, January 28th against the Spurs. The last time he went for more than 20 points in a basketball game, January 28th. At that point, they were.
0: Let me see. So they had—that's a lot of games. I mean, it's—I think it's twenty straight now. Is it? Is that what it is? I, I believe it's twenty. straight. I think it was nineteen straight going into Oklahoma City. I think could, could be right. wrong. It's twenty. You're right. Is it 20? Twenty. Did you count it twenty straight games without scoring twenty in a basketball game. A yeah, good night Paul. to change that tonight. I'll say um, he'll do it.
1: I'll say, he'll, I'll say he'll get 20 tonight. Man, hear that? That was Gambo just dropping the I'm going to say right he's going to get 20. Or the mouse. Or I don't or know two. why I believe in Chris Paul right now at <laughs> his age, but I believe in Chris That's Paul right now. completely
0: irrational for I you to say it, that, but hey, you know what? You're prone to do those I believe Chris Paul's going to gonna get 20 tonight. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe, as always, on your iPhone or your Android. It works like every other podcast you love listening to, and we'll digitally deliver the show to you every day. The Burns and Gambo Show is brought to you by Carol Royce, your home sold, guaranteed Guilty. Go to carolhasthebuyers.com. That's carolhasthebuyers.com and start packing. If it isn't money DeAndre Hopkins want, well then, what is it? And where is he going to find it? Next, Burns and Gambo.
2: Burns and Gambo. Arizona sports. The local sports leader.
0: Suns-Lakers tonight. Our poll question is related to that game coming up at 7 o'clock, so let's get an update on it since it's 4.30 right here on the Burns & Gambo Show. Burns & Gambo need-to-know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Uh, Monty Williams says he wants a more concise rotation for tonight's game after playing a whole bunch of dudes against OKC. We'll see what that looks like. The question, though, is about Devin Booker and what exactly he is going to have to do to lead the Suns to a win tonight.
2: Yeah, we know he's going to play. In fact, he's had to carry the Suns, a la his early years since Kevin Durant has gone down. Of course, he went off against the Thunder on Sunday. So our question is about tonight. How many points does Book put up against the Lakers? Here are your options. Less than 25, 25 25-32, 33-39, and 40-plus.
0: 40-plus. I'll go with the 40 plus two. This is 40.
2: Isn't it kind of crazy that that's just like a normal option for Devin Booker? Well,
0: I mean, he's been on such a heater. I mean, the last, basically, since the month of March, he's shooting 57%. He's averaging like 34 points per game. And I just think, given the state of the team right now, he's probably going to have to do something like that. So, uh, what do we got? What's our results?
2: In first place, it's almost to 40. 33 to 39 points. 44% of people are saying that Book will score that. 28.7% say 40 plus for second place. 22.2, say 25 to 32 points, and about 5% think he goes under 25.
0: Alright, that's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. One word on Twitter at Burns and Gambo is where you can find it. Let's turn our attention to DeAndre Hopkins. Mike Garofolo from the NFL Network yesterday on the NFL Network saying that what DeAndre Hopkins is looking for this time around on the trade market
2: is not necessarily going to the highest bidder. My understanding is DeAndre Hopkins is not looking to push this thing really hard from a financial standpoint. This is more about the fit. So he'd rework the contract and maybe make it a little bit more palatable for the team uh, that would be acquiring him, but not looking to say, well, you traded me from Houston, Arizona. I'm going to cash in. And if you remember that contract, that was resetting the wide receiver market to the point where it made other deals hard to do because everybody said, well, that was a ridiculous extension for a guy that got traded. That is not what Hopkins is looking to do in this case. So what he is looking to do. This is more about the right fit for him from a production standpoint uh, and also from a winning standpoint. We know he's getting to the latter part of his career. Uh, Winning is a priority for DeAndre Hopkins. That's what it sounds like. So nothing is imminent from what I've been told. I know Ian says things are ramping up, uh, but this is maybe something we're watching as we get closer to the draft.
0: I don't know how much say he's got in this process, but if it is truly about going to a team that's a better fit, not necessarily the most money, that sounds like the Kansas City Chiefs among the teams that are out there. His say is, if he doesn't want to go
1: somewhere, he could always say, I'm not going to redo my deal with you. Because whoever gets him is going to want to restructure that, right? Cap-wise, and whether they want to add add on a year or kick some money down the road, a team probably isn't going to want to take his contract straightforward the way it is. So that's his leverage. His leverage is, I've got a little bit of say in that, you know, I don't, I don't have to deal with the team. I can tell the team I'm not going to rework my contract with. With you, so I think the i, I think that the fits really to me I think fits fits me in quarterback you know what's what's the best fit the fit is where can he go where he could play with a top level quarterback that can get him the football and make get him back to being you know the best receiver in the NFL
0: yeah and in that regard I mean the options are I mean the options are kind of shrinking anyway for DeAndre Hopkins but if you're going to factor that into this then the options really start to get small for him I mean there were a couple of stories today and we'll get into this in a minute or two a couple of- of stories today, linking him through suggestions to the Carolina Panthers. Pro Football Focus had one, Bill Barnwell had another. Which makes no sense. Kind of, you know, At least not in terms of a fit. If that's really the priority for DeAndre Hopkins, it doesn't make any sense because they're going to have either C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young probably as their quarterback. And, and while I understand they would want to have a D-Hop on the roster to help make the transition to the new quarterback a little smoother and a little bit easier, I can't imagine D-Hop is going to look at Carolina and go, yeah, that's where I want to be. I want to go with a rookie quarterback. After dealing with Kyler for the last couple years, after dealing with, you know. That's not fit. That's not a good fit right there. No. So does he use the leverage? Does he flex it? I I, I tell you that the Kansas City Chiefs make. More than enough sense on a couple of levels, especially after today's moves. McCole Hardman signed with the New York Jets as a free agent. That combined with Juju Smith-Schuster's departure to the New England Patriots as a free agent. I mean, they still have wide receivers there. Of course, they still have Travis Kelsey. They still have Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I mean, they still have guys there. But if they're looking to maintain their Super Bowl level... Kansas City Chiefs might be in the market for a wide receiver. It would be a perfect fit for him to go team up with
1: uh, Patrick Mahomes and try to win a championship. Fit for coach. You get a great coach. Great offensive system. You get a great quarterback. I mean, there's another major weapon in Travis Kelsey. They already proved that they could win without Tyreek Hill last year when they went out and got Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And they got Juju Smith-Schuster. Just decided to kind of say, hey, listen, we're fine. We got a seventh round draft pick as our running back. We got a couple of free agent wide receivers, but we got Mahomes. We're going to make this work. And it went on, they won a Super Bowl. But if you add a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, you say, look, two years of this guy in his prime. I mean, I mean, who wouldn't want that? Of I course. mean, everybody would. You know, you can say all you want about, OK, They, if I'm Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, listen, it's nice that I got Valdez, Scantling and Juju last year, but I'd much rather have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins.
0: Right now, the Chiefs have Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Kadarius Toney and guy more. Now, there's another thing complicating this whole marketplace for the Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins, and that's Odell Beckham Jr. He still hasn't signed. Now, there's a lot of speculation the Jets will make a play, because there's a lot of speculation that Aaron Rodgers, whether he verbally communicated it or provided it in writing or whether it was a demand or a request, however it's phrased, there's a belief out there that Aaron Rodgers had guys that he wanted to play with, that he wanted the Jets to go get, and that OBJ is one of them. Maybe OBJ has had to New York. Today, Today, the Jets made a couple of deals. One, as I mentioned, they got McCole Hardman, signed him to a free agent deal. They also traded wide receiver Elijah Moore to the Browns. Now, that probably takes the Browns out of the running for D-Hop if they were even in it, because they had to give up a second-round pick to do it. It gives the Jets more ammunition to go get Rodgers. Now they have two second-round picks if they want. And certainly, you would think it, it clears some salary cap space, too, if they renounce the rights of a couple of other Wide receivers they have on the roster to be able to get OBJ as well. So the wide receiver market is moving. It's just trying to figure out whether D. Hop and OBJ are going to fit
1: into the whole thing. I mean, they're going to fit in, right? They're both going to play somewhere. Hopkins is going to play somewhere here or somewhere else. Somebody's going to sign Odell Beckham Jr. He may got may not get the money he wants. He kind of hinted that he doesn't want to play for four million dollars, but he's not asking for seventeen. So you know, I think it's probably something in the middle. There's probably a deal that can be made with a lot of incentives. Hey, stay healthy, play well. You know you hit these barriers, you'll get money. If you don't, then, you know, then you're not going to get it. So He
0: might have to take a deal that's very incentive-laden. Bill Barnwell, we mentioned the Panthers. Bill Barnwell and Pro Football Focus, they both conveniently wrote stories today in which they talked about good landing spots for DeAndre Hopkins. They both mentioned the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to go to Barnwell's story, though, because he suggests this possible deal, and I don't think Colonel fans are going to like the sound of this at all, and you'll hear why in just a minute. In his suggestion, And he's not reporting this. He's just speculating and suggesting the Panthers would send the number 93 pick to the Cardinals. That's a late third rounder um, to the Cardinals who would pick up $10 million of Hopkins' $19.5 million base salary. only a third. Carolina would also guarantee Hopkins' $15 million salary for next year. So Carolina's on the hook for two years and $24 million. The Cardinals would get a third rounder and pick up $10 million of D-Hop's contract. Would you take it? Are you at that point right now? I mean... You got to pick up ten million
1: dollars, and you're only getting a third. We thought going in they'd get a second, and not have to pick up anything.
0: I think the Brandon Cooks deal was a real eye opener. the The Houston Texans had to eat what eight million of that? They had to pay of eight cooks? million of Cooks. I I, th- I think it was. I think it was eight. If the Houston Texans are going to have to eat eight to make that deal, I'm resigned to the fact that you're going to have to eat money if you're the Cardinals to make something happen. So, yes, I probably would take it because I can't keep them. I mean, I can, but I got to restructure them and I don't want to restructure them. I don't want to restructure DeAndre yeah. Hopkins. I don't want him taking thirty-one million dollars up against the camp, but I also don't need DeAndre Hopkins right. on my
1: roster for the next two years. It's like you're moving. and You've got this beautiful pool table. and It's a really cool <laughs> pool table, but you
2: can't take <laughs> it with that's you. That's exactly it. I,
1: and, you know, and you're that's like, it. I really think that this pool table is worth five grand, uh-huh. and nobody wants to give you five grand for it. That's exactly it. But there's somebody it. like, listen, I'll give you a thousand. Take it off again. Your what's your other option? Pay two thousand, have it chipped. Yeah, this, but this is a pool table. Who wouldn't right. want a pool it's table? It's a beautiful pool table. It's worth five grand. I had a custom made for ten. I'll sell it to you for five. Nobody wants to pay five for it. I'll give you fifteen hundred for it. That's it. Well if you don't take the fifteen hundred, then what do you do? You pay the two thousand that it's gonna to cost to ship it?
0: Or just sell it for a grand and get rid of it?
1: Right, so like I mean, that's the thing. The Cardinals are at that point where, like, you might have to just you
0: you might just have to take whatever deal you can get. Legendary voice of the Suns Al McCoy has announced his retirement, and we want to hear from you about it. Text the word Al to six twenty six twenty. You can submit a thank you Al message that Al McCoy will receive. We might even play it on the air. Text the word Al to six twenty six twenty. Speaking of Al McCoy, wonder what he thinks of Mikkel Bridges watching him blossom in Brooklyn. It reminds us of when another. Another former son flourished when he left. That's next on Burns and Gambo.
2: Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona sports. The local sports leader. Of course,
0: just about every single time we have a conversation about the Suns and we talk about it. Devin Booker needs help. Devin Booker needs help. Inevitably, we get a couple of tweets from people who are like, yeah, he had help. His name was Mikkel Bridges. He had help. His name was Cam Johnson. <laughs> it's, it's predictable. It's expected. But, you know, there, there are... People, and I'm not saying they're wrong necessarily. I disagree with them, but there are people who believe that the Suns never should have made that trade and that McKellbury, and you're raising your hand over there. You believe I was
1: one. Yeah. Yeah. I did not not not, want
0: them to make it. Yeah. I have not wavered on that. I would not have made that trade. Now, I may be
1: totally wrong, and I totally understand why they did it. And, um, but I, I'm not going to, like, if it doesn't work out this year and next year and they don't win and, um, I, I originally said I didn't want to make the trade, that they gave up too much. They gave up way too much to get Kevin Durant. Now, maybe they maybe they win the championship this year and it's all worth it. But, damn, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jake Crowder, and all those draft picks, I, I – said from day one i thought it was too much no,
0: they gave up you did you did it and and for you and others out there who respond to the show in real time every time we talk about the Suns, we do get a lot of that kind of reaction in particular about Mikel, who has absolutely flourished with brooklyn uh he didn't last night he in the in the nets lost to the calves in which donovan mitchell had a sick 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 dunk um He was terrible. He was 0 of 8 from 3. He did not have a very good game last night at all. But that was really the exception, not the rule for Mikkel. Since leaving, Mikkel Bridges has been fantastic. He's been great. Mitch, last night, sent us a link to a story on Yahoo. And it's very stat-heavy. I don't want to go over all of them because it's a lot of numbers. And I don't want (laughs) to beat you over the head with a number stick. But it basically paints this picture of Mikkel Bridges taking his offensive game to a brand new level. Doing things that he never did here. Averages that he never did here. The way he's handling the ball. The way he's driving the lane. The way he's stopping and popping and for three and mid-range and all that stuff. Top 20 in scoring since the trade. Yep. He's a top 20 NBA 25 scorer. and a half points per game, I 25. believe, 25.9 points per game.
1: That's 12 more than last Season while shooting forty three point nine percent from three point range on sixty six point one attempts, both of which be, would be career highs. He scored thirty or more three times in four hundred regular and postseason games as a son. He's done it seven times in seventeen as a net. Let me say that again. This is this is pretty fascinating. In four hundred games with the Suns, regular and postseason, Mikael Bridges scored thirty or more points three times. He's been with the Nets for a cup of coffee and he's done it 7 times
0: in 17 games it's impressive wow it's imp- oh, it's it's more than impressive it's it's honestly if I get home from the show and I'm flipping around the TV and I come across a Brooklyn game. You'll stop to watch me too. 100%. 100%. Me too. I will stop and watch Brooklyn. I've done it. I've done it. Because I want to see Mikel. I love his, what do they call him? Brooklyn Bridges? Right? That's his nickname now. That's awesome. That's great. That's a really cool nickname. Brooklyn Bridges. I love it. So I'll stop and I'll watch because I said it at the time of the trade and I'll say it again. Mikel Bridges was one of the most popular players in the history of the Phoenix Suns. Fans loved him. I loved him. He was one of my all-time favorites. He was totally Total, complete collateral damage that you had to get rid of in order to get Kevin Durant. And and I I miss him because we liked him so much. I'm happy for him. I'm happy to see him flourish. But i got to admit, I read this story about all these amazing things that he's doing in Brooklyn. And all I could think to myself was, if he were here, would any of this be happening? No. And I don't think so either. No. I think he had to go there. Yes. In order for this to happen. It's the
1: Joe Johnson theory. That's it. Joe Johnson was behind Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion. And left to go to Atlanta to go be the man. Now, he did it on his own. Like, he chose to go. Indeed. Where Mikael was happy. Like, I'm happy in my role. He was happy here. But in Brooklyn, he's being asked to be the top scorer. Go get me 45. Go get me 30. And he's done that. I mean, he's had some, you know, incredible games. He had a 45-point game against Miami. He had a 38-point game against the Boston Celtics. But it's the Joe Johnson theory. Joe was fourth fiddle here. Felt that he could be the man somewhere else. So he left to go be the man. McHale was... Third or fourth guy here, and he left to go be the man, and it, not on his own though. Right? They moved him, and now he's the man. Did we know? Like, did we know that Mikhail Bridges was this good? Nobody will say yes. Nobody, nobody will say yes. We knew he was really good. We knew he's one of the great versatile defensive players in the NBA. We know he's a three and D guy. We know at times he could score the basketball. But did anybody think that he's a top twenty scorer in the NBA? No. Yeah. Did anybody think that he's a consistent? I'm going to go get you thirty. No. None of us thought that that was possible.
0: And, and I think it took him going to a situation where he needed to be the guy like that on a nightly basis for us to see that he could do it. And I don't think that was ever going to happen here with Devin Booker. I, I, just, I just don't. I, I don't think... And not that Devin Booker was trying to hold Mikkel Bridges back and obviously Mikkel was starting to do these things without Devin. So we were starting to see some of this before he got traded. Even his own teammates now in Brooklyn. There's a quote in this story from Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh yeah, this is great. Quote, I don't think that anybody knew that Mikkel was this amazing offensively. Absolutely. Just being completely real, I don't think we knew. Yeah, I think most people know the know. You know, the the headline in the story by
1: Dan Devine is why the Nets had zero interest in selling bridges in Brooklyn, right? Because that's always been like that's always like a phrase, like hey, if you believe that, I'll sell you the Brooklyn Bridge, Mm -hmm. right? You've heard that, right? I mean, even in Arizona, yes, like people, like yeah, if you if you believe that, I'll sell you the Brooklyn Bridge Uh for sale, like so. You know, that's the whole thing. Like they're not selling bridges in Brooklyn. They
0: they're keeping the bridge in Brooklyn. They really like what he's been able to bring to the team they they even uh, th- this was probably my fa- favorite part of the article was comparing him to other guys who really had to slow cook to take their time to be great in the NBA. Points out it took Paul George 4 years before he averaged 20 points per game in the NBA. That Chris Middleton didn't become an All-Star until his 7th season. In fact, Bridges apparently recently told Tim Bontemps of ESPN that Paul George and Chris Middleton are two players that he studied specifically as he's working on his game. Really? Yes, like he's watched tape of Paul George and Chris Middleton like I want to do what those Guys, do I want to be like them? How do I do that? Julius Randle, won most improved player at age 26. Laurie Markkinen, I mean, look at, look at what Laurie Markkinen is doing right now with the I Utah know. Jazz, right? I know. Because it was it was opportunities. Like
1: the Jazz had watched him play for Finland over the summer, and they're like, okay, he's much. That's not the player we're seeing with the Bulls. Like, that's not that guy. So when they got Laurie, Larry market, and it was just about, you know, he just needed an opportunity. Some guys just need the opportunity. Like, they, there's several guys in this league right now that if they were on a different team, they could burst out and do things that, uh, that are a lot more special than what they're doing at this and, point. And I
0: just, I don't think... Between Devin Booker's dominance as the alpha on this team and as the star, between, you know, Chris Paul being a fading star, but a star nevertheless, third team All NBA last year, you know, trying to find the right combination to unlock DeAndre Ayton. I just don't know if Mikel Bridge's offensive production and development was ever going to be the true goal of the Phoenix Suns. I think he was always going to be asked to be a role guy here. Now, you know, with Chris Paul's decline and DeAndre Ayton's inconsistency, I'm sure they would have, Wanted more out of Mikel, but I don't know if that was going to be the main focus of the priority for him ever. And, and so I just don't know if he would have gotten those chances here. I'm happy for him. I, I think I'm that, really happy
1: for. him. I think that if you would have kept window two open and, you know, and, and Chris fades and goes away, that he could have been the one two punch with Booker. But I, I don't I still didn't expect this great just yeah that we're seeing
0: when we come back we led the segment talking about how book needs help. So tonight against the Lakers, where is he gonna get it that's coming up on the Burns and Gambo show.